0: Awesome.
1: Oh, so oh, I'm supposed to start. <laughs> the little D means I'm supposed to start. <clears throat> okay. Uh, welcome to Infinite Insights, the podcast designed for all TK-12 math teachers.
0: I'm Maggie Peters, math consulting teacher for the Rincon Valley School District here in Northern California.
1: And I'm Dwayne Habecker, the math coordinator for Merced County Office of Education.
0: Every other week, Dwayne and I will share a new math research study or article or some other math thing. And we'll talk it over, bounce ideas off of each other, and basically think about how to implement it into the classroom. So that's right. How you doing, Dwayne? Uh, uh,
1: well, I, I've got a cold, but I feel like I'm—I'm uh, I, I ha- I'm the last person who should be complaining because in our little intro, it says Maggie Peters a math consulting teacher for the rincon valley school district here in northern california so that's kind of the key for our our episode today right
0: yeah yeah it is so we've had a little bit going on up here in santa rosa (laughs) yeah
1: Yeah. so i'm in fact that's going to be the point of our episode today right is i'm going to say how are you doing and that's the extent of our research right it is it is it's, it's more is personal episode...
0: like we re- i researched it a little bit more personally than i really had ever believed i would need to in my my career
1: <laughs> oh this is going to be rough um, no
0: but i think it opened so, my eyes
1: good so all right we're beating around the yes. bush get it started all right. maggie you just Tell us what this episode is going to be about. So
0: three weeks ago, Santa Rosa, California, um, you may have seen on the news, we basically burned, uh, I think it was 20% of our county had oh, burned, um, including some of the surrounding counties were also on fire. Um we had over 20 teachers and staff members lose their homes like completely burned down to the ground and we had over 80 families in our district lose everything
1: oh um goodness.
0: we lost 7 or not 7 11 days of school and um we just started back last week and i have I guess, a new respect on trauma and trauma-based teaching and kids who have been through trauma because I feel like I, even though I am one of the lucky ones and I have, my house is okay, um, I am surrounded by the trauma and lived vicariously through it, so to speak.
1: Right, right. Um, so- Well, you know, in a- In a previous conversation, you and I had talked about that, you know, you living there, but not in it, like, you know, it wasn't, your house is still standing. Yes. But just now you said vicariously through it, but you were telling me last, I don't know, five days ago or so, that that there were times where you were, it seemed like you were um, experiencing the trauma for real, like you were having a hard time having a conversation and it, stuff. Do you remember? Yeah,
0: it was insane. It was like, okay, so um, our family did have to pack up and be ready to evacuate. Um And it was extremely stressful. Um For a little bit, we didn't have power, we didn't have gas, so we couldn't, you know, um, take hot showers. And we only had, you know, we had no internet, and we only had the news. So like, Sometimes the news can really hype things up. And so we were like, oh, okay." But then we started seeing the skies darken and, you know, we could smell the smoke and the ashes were dropping everywhere. And so, you know, it was a really scary, stressful thing. So when I had to go back to work um, and even before that, it was like I couldn't even hold a conversation because my mind would start to wander back to oh my gosh, is that new smoke I'm smelling? Is that new ash from a closer fire? Um, you know, uh, just all kinds of things that I never expected. I couldn't remember anything. Um, you know, I yeah, and when I went back to work, um, I was working with some people who are literally trying to get kids to feel safe when they themselves didn't even have homes. So I couldn't even, you know, we couldn't together put two words together basically to help the kids. And as you can see today, I'm sort of still in that. It comes and goes, (laughs) you know, it's crazy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So you were, I mean, that's, I I was just kind of like, (laughs) <laughs> it's kind of rude, but I was like pushing on you because you said vicariously that, that, I, that just, no, you were in it. Yeah. You know, you were, you were, you were in it and I wanted you to. But just,
0: I feel bad saying that yeah. because I don't, you know, I don't have, um, I still have my home. I haven't had to deal with half of the stuff, um, that some of my friends have, but I think what's important to note here is I was talking to a couple of my co co-workers and we were we were talking about you know okay so parents ask us what about the grades because it was the end of our trimester you know are we still going to get report cards and we wanted to just look at them and tell them that's not what's important right now but really it was you know for them it was important but then because I was trying to help I don't know, kind of normalize, not normalize, but help other teachers and other kids um, cope with this traumatic stress, my place wasn't in grading, right? And then I, it well. got me thinking, and the other people that we were talking about, the kids are like that. Kids who have their own traumatic experiences, fire or not, they're doing the same thing, Their bodies are trying to live. They're trying to um, avoid this trauma, right? But yet when they come to school, we're asking them to memorize math uh, facts. We're asking them to solve five, six step problems when really all their brain can do is handle, you know, the survival mechanism, and, and right. I felt that that first week of school, like I felt like what the kids, you know, go through on a daily basis and I get to recover because I'm a healthy individual um, who has support mechanisms, but some of these kids don't have that. And the more we lay on them, the more stressed out they become. And it's no wonder a lot of them are in RSP or need special help or struggle in math
1: Right. Right. Oh my goodness. So, so, well, what uh, I'm, I'm, I'm grasping it at straws because it's like such a huge, um, thing to, I mean, how do you, how do we help? I'm I'm just trying to put myself in your shoes and in that, how would we as teachers help kids with stress when some of us teachers ourselves are homeless? I mean, it's, it's, enough, it's one thing to be talking, you know, to be aware of, you know, the brain and how the brain is handling trauma in kids and that kids, when they're experiencing trauma, oh, they might get angry and they might become prone to outbursts or they may withdraw and all these sorts of things. But how, how does a teacher teach in a trauma-informed or trauma-sensitive way when she herself might be um, Experiencing that kind of trauma in in, in this kind of a situation—that's got to be uh, just a, a tough thing for you guys. Over
0: and there. that's you know we we're dealing with that right now. Um, you know, and there's all there's the four phases of of disaster recovery or you know trauma that people have to go through and. Um, you know, there's the heroic phase where everybody's like, yeah, we're going to be able to do this. Then there's the honeymoon phase and that's where everybody starts donating stuff. And then, and then the, the next one is the disillusionment. Like people start getting angry because things aren't, you know, the reality is set in basically. And then we're able to, um, reconstruct. And right now we're, we're going in between the honeymoon phase and the disillusionment phase where like people are starting to get tired and they know they still have to keep going. Um, And I think just being able to help teachers understand those phases and know that they're going to go through them and that the community is going to go through them helps them recognize, okay, this is a feeling I'm starting to get upset and this is why, you know? And I think... It, it's been pretty eye-opening to let kids in on that, too. Um, like, for example, my son, my, who's eight, he came back one day after having um, a, a, a play date with some of his school friends, right, at a, a local community center. And he came back and he said, there were some really naughty kids, Mom. I don't even understand why they were being so bad. And I, I was talking to him. I said, honey, it's because they don't have ways to express how sad they are about what's going on. And so they act out. And he's like, why? And I said, because it's easier to do that than to sometimes admit I'm scared, you know, or I'm sad. And, and just letting him know that that's part of this kind of gave him the permission to be sympathetic like and and empathetic really um so he they went back the next day and he said that he talked to the boy that was being really naughty and asked him if he wanted to play monopoly and he said yes and he said he was so much nicer you
1: know oh yeah
0: so there are ways and I think we just need to give space and sometimes keeping in the back of our minds like as teachers those kids who are I've seen it like in millions of places who are acting in the worst ways are asking us actually for love even though they're doing it in the the worst way so we need to help them by supporting them and making them feel safe and you know giving them the space to go through all this trauma processing, I guess.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, my youngest son has Down syndrome. So we, in, and this is connected, believe it or not, but um, we, we say that behavior, poor behavior, but really behavior is a form of communication. 100%. So when a child is misbehaving, he is communicating something to the adults around him. He he might be communicating that um, his clothes are feeling a little tight and it's uncomfortable, but he doesn't have the words for it. Or he might be con- trying to communicate that he's bored. Um, I mean, and this is with typical kids, I think, that yeah. behavior is communication. So when they're acting out, they're not just acting out they're, they're trying to communicate something exactly and it's the adult's job to interpret that you know and i'm, I'm just thinking you know uh, kids who've been traumatized you know uh, and i fully think i would imagine that you know uh, that this trauma continues in santa rosa the fires may be out but golly these kids are still they might be living in unfamiliar places yes they might now be living. Maybe their family was just barely on the edge, and that this fire is now creating some domestic issues. Mm-hmm. You know, violence. Now, I mean, the, I think the trauma is probably still continuing, and,
0: and it will be for we a long time.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's when that creates this um, in, in in like hyper arousal you know, in, these, in the kids who are experiencing this trauma so that thing they're going to overreact to th- incidents at school that other kids might go, like, what's that? What, what are you doing, man? Relax. And I think your, your son was kind of experiencing that, seeing these kids who are maybe responding in a bad way, doing something, and, and your, your son is in a different place yes. and was able to bring in a Monopoly game and try and create a calmness. Mm-hmm. In those, in those kids that, um, clearly that, that boy.
0: Yeah. So after this happened and we realized we were safe, um, the children's hospital, Benioff, um, they came up here to Petaluma and held two classes about trauma and kids, um, for teachers and people who worked with children. And one of the things that they were suggesting is to, yes, hold that space for all these variant you know, various behaviors and, you know, whatever it is, whatever stage these kids are in. Um, uh-huh. But they also said, which surprised me in a sense, but then I totally understood, is to really get back into the routine of school. So it is, oh, interesting. you know, I mean, not just jumping back into curriculum, but having a time for reading, having your math block, having the same um, conversations and number talks and, and that kind of thing, because the routine is what will help ground them. And then will take some of that stress away from them.
1: Oh, interesting. So it's like the routine is uh, comforting. Yes, yes. Because it's predictable. Yes,
0: and and in in essence, that predictability will then show them that they are safe again. And it will start helping them cope that, okay, life does go on after a traumatic event, and I can get back to normal.
1: Sure. I mean, yeah, if it's predictable, then you can... you can control it in your mind. I mean, if it's predictable, now you know what to anticipate, you know how to respond, you know it's going to end and the next phase is going to begin it's predictable. Mm -hmm. There's that um, long time ago study that I remember is psychology or something. Like I was psychology 101. I was probably 18 taking this silly class, but I remember the um, dogs, it might've been B.F. Skinner or somebody who is uh, um, uh, shocking dogs, and uh, the dogs that were on a floor that was then electric, you know, they sent an electric current and it's uncomfortable for the dogs. When, when the dogs were on a, on a floor that the electric current went, uh, you know, it, it happened after a bell on regular intervals. So the bell would ring, the floor would electric, you know, electrify, and the dogs would be uncomfortable. Uh, compared to the other dogs that were essentially on the same floor, the same electrified floor, but uh, the electricity would happen at random times without being forewarned by a little bell. Mm -hmm. So it's the same electricity in both cases, but one was fairly predictable, and the other, the electricity was not. It, It seemed random. And the dogs that were in the floor that was uh, regular with a a warning bell, uh, they handled that rotten experience far better than the dogs that were in the random room, Hmm. uh, simply because of that predictability. They were able to predict it, hear the bell, brace themselves for the uncomfortable thing. And then they knew it was going to end. Whereas the, the, the random dog, the dogs in the random room, they just did not like it. So, you're not to connect <laughs> do, electrify electrocuting dogs to the, your kids but the idea of predictability let's get them in routines and um, even if it's sort of artificial mm-hmm. you know like we're not we're not really assessing number talks or we're not really assessing reading but at least it's a predictable comfortable routine
0: right and and just I I, I can't get over the feeling that I had as well. Like it felt really good to get back to work, but like at the same time, I couldn't put sentences together. Um, I mean, I lost my wedding ring twice, and I put both times I put them in my pocket, and don't have any recollection of doing it. Oh, right, wow. and and it's because my my body wasn't holding on to like simple things. I was on automatic pilot, and. You know, it's so important to remember that if you have a kid who's from, who has their own, you know, mini fire, so to speak, in their life, and they can't memorize their math facts, or they can't remember, um, you know, the next step in long division, that could be why. It could be that their brain is already overloaded with stimulus of the from their personal life, that they just can't do it right now. And so putting those routines into place and and making things go as smoothly as possible at school can help lessen that stress a little bit. And each time you do that without making them feel awful for not being able to remember, they'll make more and more growth.
1: So, is, so would you recommend, so as we... You know, like you're wrapping up your Santa Rosa, this Santa Rosa experience is your piece of advice to the teachers who aren't near a big old huge forest fire, but they might be around kids who are experiencing their own kinds of trauma. Are you saying like, okay, help those kids experience a regular routine, but then also display empathy when the kids just aren't getting it because... It could be because of their that trauma. The, their brain is busy with other things right now.
0: Exactly. They're putting their wedding ring in their pocket and not even realizing it.
1: <laughs> right.
0: Um, yeah.
1: Or punching each other, or bouncing off walls, and it's all in response to that. Yep.
0: That trauma. And you'll see lots that, of it. But it, yeah, have just have a little bit of space and keep you know keep it as normal as possible for them so that they can. Help heal themselves, I guess. So, wow. all right. I know it's not the funnest subject that we've talked about, but I, I, I just thought this happened, and what good can we come, you know? What good can come out of this? A learning experience that I can share with everybody. So I appreciate you kind of walking through. The, I guess the experience with me and i hope that somehow it helps a teacher out there whether they've had kids in these fires or you know other things they've helped kids you know or help teachers help kids
1: yeah 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 be aware of trauma and and then know what to do when you suspect that a kid is experiencing trauma at home of any sort now this is to be by the way before we wrap it up this is different from like mandated reporter stuff. We're talking, you know, this is different. Mandated reporter is very clear. There is no regular routine and empathy. It's no, you report. You you take care of that. That's our that's our credentials on the line there. No, this is like beyond that. It
0: right? is. Yeah, I mean okay. it could be abuse, it could be other things, but it's it's the long-term effect of those Right. Of those things that are happening. I mean, it could be, and it also could be, like, a car accident. It could be somebody losing an animal or a family member. It could be a big fight. I mean, it's just, it's the feelings that start happening after something traumatic has happened. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. thanks for the clarification. All right, so, Dwayne? Do you have any yeah. other closing thoughts that you'd like to share?
1: Oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, no, I, I mean, first off, I'm super glad you're safe from the fires. Honestly, you and your family, I, I, the audience doesn't know this, but it's been weeks since we've recorded. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm super, super happy that you are safe. I was, I was really worried about you guys up there.
0: Thank you. Yeah, it was kind of a scary thing. Actually, it was a scary yeah. thing, not kind of.
1: Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. So let's wrap this yeah. up. Um, I don't, I don't even know how to wrap up a conversation like this. Well, let's just <laughs> read from the darn script. I'll say, all right, people, don't forget to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. And I, and I we don't really know because we don't get a report from Apple or something about how many people are subscribing. So, if you hit that subscribe button, hey, go ahead and tweet us a, a, you know, just say, hey, I subscribed. And that, that would make us happy. I'm D. Habecker and Maggie is Lover one um, Tweet us, let us know if you have a suggestion. Oh, by the way, I got a, I got a shout out to, um, M- Maggie, we got a, we had a, a person who uh, and I'm looking it up because I, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, I think it's Eric. Um, he he gave us this uh, suggestion oh, yeah. for uh, yeah. So <laughs> we're gonna do it. We're I'm just saying we're gonna do it, and uh, because it it seemed like a good idea. So we're we're gonna do it.
0: Yes, he gave us a suggestion yes. on an article, and we were totally jazzed with it. So. If you also have an idea, send it out. Or if you see an article and you don't have time to read it, send it to us. And, you know, if, if uh, we like it, we'll go ahead and do it here. So um, with that, yeah. as usual, have a great week.
1: Yes, and we're going to see everybody every other Monday here at Infinite Insights. <laughs> Oh, God. I'll stop you later, Maggie. (laughs) Have a good one. (laughs) All right, bye. Bye.